This episode of the Teacher Wellbeing Podcast is brought to you by the Self-Care for Teachers School Wellbeing Champions Meetup. If you're on the Wellbeing Committee or you are the Wellbeing Champion in your school and you're looking for resources to support your work, you want to support others doing the same thing and you want to share what's working and what's not working in your school, then come along to the Wellbeing Champions Meetup in mid-November. More information will be at selfcareforteachers.com.au forward slash wellbeing champion or click the link below in your podcast description. I would love to see you there. This is the Teacher Wellbeing Podcast brought to you by Self-Care for Teachers, helping you prioritize your health, happiness and well-being so that you can thrive in the classroom and in life. I'm your host, Ellen Ronalds-Keen, reminding you that you're a person first and a teacher second and you are allowed to look after you. Hi everyone. Today I'm going to talk to you about self-coaching. So as you know, I'm a wellbeing coach for teachers uh, and I also have had many experiences coaching non-teachers in my life as well. Now, if you don't know what coaching is, it's essentially just a conversation where uh, one person takes on the role of asking questions uh, that help the person being coached to uncover the answers for themselves and sometimes to break out of the thinking habits and the the patterns and the mindset that they may have not even realized was holding them back or getting in the way of them getting what they want. So coaching takes many, many forms, but essentially it's just asking better questions. And you can absolutely do this for yourself. It's obviously very helpful to have an external person go through this process with you, but there's no reason that you 100% need somebody else there. You can absolutely do self-coaching and it's a skill that you can practice and you can get better at and you can, once you kind of understand it and have had a little bit of a go at it, you can keep refining it, but it also can be a really, really powerful skill or tool in your wellbeing toolkit that can help you when you're stuck, when you're feeling like something has to change or when you're really coming up against a challenge and you're not sure how best to respond or uh, what your next steps will be. So self-coaching is something that I do for myself all the time. I also obviously have some friends who are coaches and we have kind of mini coaching conversations. But I do want to point out that it's not the same as having a chat with your friend where you just commiserate all the time. So one of the things that often really differentiates coaching from, you know, a casual chat with your friend is that your friend might actually be noticing, yeah, you know, I can see that they're kind of stuck in a bit of a rut. Maybe their mindset is holding them back a little bit, or maybe they're uh, making some decisions that are not, you know, not helping the situation. But the friend may not call you out on that because they might feel a lot of empathy for you, absolutely. And they might also realize that you just you just need to be heard. You're just having a vent. It's not the place. So today I'm going to take you through 29 questions that you can ask yourself when you, you don't have to ask all of them, obviously, but 29 questions that you can ask yourself when you feel like you need a bit of coaching, or of course you could use this with a buddy and you could go through some of these questions together. This is not an exhaustive list of the questions that you could ask yourself in coaching, but these are questions that I commonly ask my coaching clients. And again, you don't need all of these questions. This is not a all or nothing activity. You might even just pick one or two of these questions that really feel like the best fit for you in this situation and just try them on for size. Uh, And you will also notice that, you know, a lot of these questions kind of, 
there's a few little bundles of questions that kind of go together where you're looking at a situation or you're, or you're looking at the topic from a few different angles, but the questions are kind of a little a little set that go together. You'll probably notice that. Now, if you want the uh, PDF of these questions, if you want a little workbook to go along with this, you can absolutely find that at selfcareforteachers.com.au forward slash questions, and uh, you'll be able to get a little workbook that goes along with this. It's also going to be in the freebies library, which you can find at selfcareforteachers.com.au forward slash library. All right. So 29 questions that you can ask yourself as a self-coaching exercise, and you can ask these for any aspect of your life. So it doesn't have to be to do with your health and well-being as a person and as a teacher. It might be to do with professional decisions that you have to make, career choices. It might be to do with parenting or relationships. It might be to do with your hobbies or a community group you're involved in. It really can be, these can really apply in any aspect of life. So question one, and I think this is an important one for whatever the situation is that you're applying it, is what is your role here? So it's cool, obviously, if you just want to say, well, I'm, I'm a teacher or I'm a deputy principal, but really what is your role in this situation? What do you have responsibility for and what don't you have responsibility for, essentially? So I think it's helpful to know, you know, well, I'm the wife or the the spouse. I'm only half of this relationship or I'm only one half of this friendship that is um, struggling at the moment that I feel like needs some work or there's a hurt that needs to be healed. So I can only do so much. I can only control myself. I can't necessarily control the other person involved. So what is your role? That's question number one. Question number two is when it comes to insert situation here or insert topic here, what has been your top stressor or challenge? So for example, when it comes to your health and well-being, what has been your top stressor or challenge? Or again, to use the relationship example, when it comes to your relationship, what has been your top stressor or challenge? And that's important too, because we need to really get clear on what is the problem. And I challenge you to really sit with that for a sec, because sometimes we kind of We know what the problem is, but we've never actually really stopped and defined it. And also, it can be good to actually get very specific here because we don't want to be catastrophizing to, you know, obviously there are some situations where it is a catastrophe, you know, global pandemics happen and it's a huge impact on pretty much every aspect of society. But most of the time, the things that are our our stressor or challenge, and this question specifically says, what is your top? stressor or challenge. So we just deal with one at a time. So we're not trying to solve the whole thing. We just want to go with one at a time. What is your top stressor or challenge? Okay, that's what we're going to focus on. Doesn't mean there's no others, but we're just going to focus on that one for the rest of these questions. Does that make sense? Question number three, following on from that, well, knowing then what that top stressor or challenge is, then when it comes to insert situation here, what are your biggest goals? So when it comes to your health and well-being, when it comes to your relationship, when it comes to that top stressor or challenge that you just listed, what are your biggest goals? And you can have more than one here. I'm happy for you to go nuts and write everything down or you maybe just want to pick your top three. What are your biggest goals? So it's question number three. Question number four. Are there any obstacles that you can foresee in achieving this goal? So just an exercise in imagination but also possibly an exercise in tapping into your anxieties or your fears around it, what are the obstacles that you can foresee? And then the follow-up question, of course, is question number five, how might you prepare for 
or overcome those obstacles or challenges. So if you can foresee that X, Y, and Z might happen, well, what would you put in place to try and avoid that happening or to be prepared for when it does happen? So one thing, uh, for example, that I learned from the work of Harriet Lerner, who is the author of The Dance of Anger, which is the best book I've ever read and I recommend it to everybody, highly recommend it to you, uh, but she's written lots of books and she is someone that you may have heard interviewed on Brene Brown's podcast, for example. So Harriet Lerner is where I learned this. I'm, I'm not sure if she came up with this idea. I don't think so. I think it's probably common in, in the world of psychotherapy, but The Dance of Anger is a book around essentially getting in touch with where our boundaries are being crossed in relationships and that kind of thing. And again, it applies to work relationships, friendships as well, you know, family relationships as well as romantic relationships. And in the book, Harriet Lerner explains that whenever we're changing something about the way we show up in a relationship, so we're changing one of our steps in the dance, we can expect that other people are going to display what's called protest behaviour, which is where they're, they're just having a reaction to the fact that there's change happening here. You're suddenly saying no when you used to always say yes or you're suddenly saying yes when you used to always say no. Something has changed. You're setting a boundary that was not uh, clearly set before. Something has changed and so now there's some protest behaviour. Well, if you know that that's normal and also that that's common, it's likely that a person is going to perhaps not react the best. doesn't even necessarily mean that they're reacting poorly to your news but just that they're not being 100% on board supportive hooray, if you know that that's normal and that that's likely, well, then you can go into that conversation prepared for that, right? Prepared for how you're going to respond, prepared for how, okay, well, I'm not just going to fold the minute they question me on it because I know that they're questioning me on it is part of the process of this change cycle. So if you can foresee that there may be some obstacles that are kind of obvious that might come up, then how might you prepare for or overcome them? So those are questions four and five. And it's important, again, I think, to reflect on that when we're thinking of any kind of changes that we want to make in our life or any kind of next steps because, I mean, we can't prepare for every eventuality. But it's nice not to be blindsided and it's also nice, again, to kind of realise that, well, just because I want things to go one way doesn't mean they're going to and it doesn't mean it's necessarily going to be hard and terrible and difficult, but it's good to just think about, well, what would I do if then that happened? What would be my response if then that happened? Okay, so that's question four and five. So question six, we've talked a bit there about the problem and kind of getting clear on what's stressing us out and what what the problem is. And we talked about what our goals might be, but now question six is to get really clear and to be stating this in the positive. Question six is what specifically do you want? So get really specific again. We want to make sure that we're getting clear on, okay, we might have listed 25 goals. We're probably not going to be able to achieve all 25 goals or focus on all 25 goals at once. So let's just get really specific. What do we want? And it's important that this is stated in the positive because often what a lot of people do is they immediately answer with what they don't want. This is something I've seen in coaching time and time again. I say, well, what specifically do you want? And then the person just goes on a a list of the things that they don't want, which is again, focusing on that problem. And we've already done that here, right? We've taken some time to get that out. We've kind of listed what the problem is, which is essentially what we don't want. If you really can't answer this question, Do ask yourself what specifically do you not want and then kind of by process of elimination you can work backwards and flip it. But question number six is, and stated in the positive, what specifically do you want? That's question number six. Then question number seven is, well, compared to that, where are you now? And and this is not so much around talking about the problem 
but talking, uh, you know, explaining, well, where are you now compared to what you want? You know, what kind of a, a pathway or journey is that? How far apart? It may end up being the the kind of what is the problem, what don't you want answer, but it's sometimes the phrasing of these questions can be helpful. And also sometimes the more you ask the question, you know, if you ask somebody the question, well, what specifically is the problem? And then how is that a problem? And then how is that a problem? And then how is that a problem? And you ask the question of each answer. Sometimes that's what's needed to actually get to the heart of the matter, to really kind of peel back those surface layers and get to, okay, now we're really talking. Now we're really dealing with the the truth, I suppose. And, and we're kind of shedding the masks that we're all wearing. I mean, we're all wearing masks in 2020, but we're shedding those kind of emotional masks to get to the truth. So question number seven, where are you now compared to what you stated in question number six, which is what you specifically want? And now we're going to keep focusing on specifically what you want. And again, we're using, you know, our creative thinking and we're using our imagination here. Question number eight is, what will you see, hear, feel when you have or achieve or do or be that thing that you specifically want? So what will you see, hear and feel when the thing you specifically want happens? So it's an exercise in imagination and envisioning. Question number nine, how will you know when you have it? So maybe you'll know when you have it when you can see, hear, and feel all those things. But maybe you don't need all of those things that you just listed to know that you have actually achieved that goal. You have gained what it is that you desire. So how will you know when you have it? And that's a very important question because it may actually uh, highlight to you that the way you answered one of those previous questions was not specific enough. For example, sometimes people say what they specifically want is happiness. Well, yeah, I, I get that. But specifically, how will you know when you have that? That might be a really hard question to answer because happiness is kind of vague. I mean, we most people, humans, want happiness, of course, but we're talking about getting really granular and specific here. So if you can actually nut it down to something more specific, then when you answer that question, how will you know when you have it, it does two things. One, it helps you make sure that you're being specific enough about, about this situation or goal that we're looking at because again remember it can be really easy to be generalizing and catastrophizing and everything's ruined and and actually we, we want to just focus on one thing at a time and trying to solve one thing at a time or change one thing at a time or improve one thing at a time we're getting specific so that question is important to make sure we're being specific but the question is also important so that when we get there we can actually stop and say tick wow well done me because it is so common, especially as teachers, that we we achieve some goal, we complete something, we do something that we've been kind of working towards for a while, and then we just roll right on to the next thing. We don't actually take a lot of time to pause and celebrate our achievements or celebrate ourselves. And this is something, you know, by answering this question, how will you know when you have it? Hopefully, you know, you'll be able to recognize when it happens and take a moment to celebrate that. So question number nine, how will you know when you have it? Question number 10, what will this outcome get for you or allow you to do? So how will you benefit? What will this outcome, this thing that you, you want, specifically that you want, what will it get for you or allow you to do? Because obviously that's probably not what's happening right now. And again, this may help enlighten you as to whether or not the way you answered some of those previous questions is clear enough or specific enough and you absolutely are able to go back and kind of rejig some of those previous questions. 
And there's no right answers here, right? There's absolutely no perfection in the way you answer this and the way you answer it one day might be different to the next day. That's fine. This is an exercise in self-discovery, in self-awareness, and in also kind of pushing yourself to get out of the regular habits of thinking that we so often fall into, the stories that we're telling ourselves, the narratives that we're, you know, deciding and believing are true, which are not necessarily reality or not necessarily the way the person next to you perceives the situation. So therefore, you know, by challenging our habits of thinking, we're actually able to see more possibilities than we ordinarily can and perhaps to make better choices or make different choices. So question number 10, what will this outcome get for you or allow you to do? Question number 11 is, is this outcome, goal, achievement, whatever we're calling it, is this only for you? So is it a self-initiated and self-maintained goal or is there some aspect of will other people expect this of me? And the other way you could interpret this question is, is this only going to benefit me or is this also going to be good for other people? And that very, very much is something that I talk to a lot of my clients about or we we talk with. And that very, very much is something that I talk with my clients about a lot, that sense that making positive changes in your life, you know, practicing self-care, making sure that you're well, it's not just for you. It is not selfish. It's certainly often initially motivated by a really strong sense of needing more for the self. But the actual outcome of improving your well-being, making sure that your self-care practices are happening regularly, making sure you're healthy, making sure that you're refilling your cup and all of those things, it actually doesn't only benefit you. It also benefits pretty much every other person in your life. So it's good for me, but it's also good for my students, my parents, my children, my spouse, my friends, my colleagues, you know. So this question 11, is it only for you? It's a good one because it can really help us again get out of our kind of myopic awareness and it's so normal. We're all very, we're all self-centered. The world, our world revolves around us, right? My world revolves around me. That doesn't mean the world revolves around me, but my world revolves around me because I'm the center of my world, of course, because mine are the only eyes I can see through. But we absolutely can exercise empathy and compassion for others and we can also then change our perspective and think about, well, how will me making this change that is good for me, how will it also be good for others? So question number 11, is it only for you? And again, there's two ways to think about that. Is it only good for me or is it good for me and others? But also, is it a self-initiated, self-maintained goal or is part of this goal actually because I think other people expect me to make this choice? That's important to also get to the bottom of. Question number 12, just some really um, practical logistics. Where, when, how and with whom do you want this to happen? I mean, so this is one question, but obviously it's many questions. Where, when, how and with whom do you want this to happen? Or do you want to have this thing or do you want to be this have this experience so where when how and with whom and you just list them and it's just just getting those particulars out on paper I guess and then question number 13 what do you need to have or be or do in order to get this outcome so what do you need in order to get this outcome you know maybe that's practical support maybe that's some actual equipment or something depending you know if you're building a deck in your backyard you're going to need some hammers and nails and woods So maybe it's actually some kind of physical thing that you need to have in order to do the thing. So what do you need to get your outcome? That's question number 13. Question number 14, have you ever had or done this thing before? 
So maybe you are, just to use the health and wellbeing example again as a teacher, maybe you remember a time a few years ago before you had kids or before you're in a leadership role, before you're at this school, where you felt like you had your healthy habits and you had some strong, you know, well-being and resilience practices going on. And for whatever reason, that's changed. Pre-pandemic, life might have looked different, you know. So have you ever had or done it before? And the related question 15 is, do you know anyone who has done this thing or achieved this thing? So again, in in the realm of teacher well-being and resilience, hello, listen to my podcast. That's the whole point of me interviewing teachers who have overcome well-being challenges and then, you know, the way that their life has changed or their work has improved or whatever, the positive benefits that have come from that, the whole point is to share stories that that are inspiring because you can't be what you can't see. So it's important to go, all right, well, maybe there's no one in my immediate circle who I actually know who has achieved this goal, but broaden your awareness. Is there someone on Instagram that you follow that actually seems to have achieved that. Now, obviously, we're not going to take the Instagram highlight reel as a as a gospel about what their real life is like behind the scenes. But, you know, can you find some examples of someone who seems to have achieved this goal that can serve to inspire you or to confirm for you that it is possible? And in terms of teacher well-being, my podcast, I hope, is that example where you can go and listen to a whole bunch of different stories of teachers Different stories, obviously the particulars are different, but the universal piece of all of it is that these are teachers who made some decisions to improve their health and well-being in some way as people first and teachers second, and it worked, you know, in some way or another. Um, And that doesn't mean that their lives are perfect and it doesn't mean that things won't change again because we know life is not perfect and we know that change is the only constant, but we also know that, okay, well, I can see these people as examples that it is possible. So question number 14 was, have you ever had or done this before? And question 15 was, do you know anyone who has it? Question 16 is, can you act as if you have it? Now, that might sound a little bit strange. It's I'm not telling you to fake it till you make it because I don't necessarily think that that's helpful. But sometimes, sometimes we are stuck in a rut and actually there's nothing concrete that's actually stopping us from getting the thing that we want. It's actually just our attitude or our mindset. So if we shift that, if we change that, and sometimes changing of mindset, it's not so much acting as a fake it till you make it kind of thing, but it's acting as in, well, I'm going to choose, I'm not faking it here, but I'm choosing to act in a different way. I hope you can feel the nuance there. It's not faking it. It's making a choice to act in a different way. And that question, can you act as if you have it, is really to highlight whether, you know, it's it's to get underneath the surface to see, well, actually, I'm honest. Yeah, there's nothing external that, that really is stopping me. This is an internal thing for me that's so far had me believing a story or, or stuck in the narrative that I can't have it because some external thing. But actually, now that I've been through half these questions, it's obvious to me that it, it's actually I could make a lot of strides in getting to my goal or improving this situation just in changing the way I show up changing who I am being. And if you want more on that whole concept of doing versus being, I go into a lot more depth with that in the Cultivating Extraordinary Wellbeing video training that you can find on my website. I'll put a link in the show notes and in the description of this episode, but really go into a lot that doing versus being thing. 
because sometimes it's not actually about doing more. Your to-do list is already full. The title of that training is Cultivating Extraordinary Wellbeing as a Teacher Without Adding to Your Already Full To-Do List because I recognize that we all have too much to do already. So sometimes it's not about doing. Sometimes it's about being and that's about how we show up and, and not acting as if in a fake it till you make it way, but acting as if in a, well, I'm choosing to change the way I act because I am aware that the way I show up impacts the decisions that I make, the way other people react to me and the way I feel about the whole thing as well. So that's question 16. Question number 17 is, for what purpose do you want this? Like, why do you want it? And again, I recognize that some of these questions are kind of variations on a theme of things we've already answered, but for what purpose do you want to have this situation change? For what purpose do you want to achieve this goal? improve your well-being, reconnect with that friendship or, or whatever the situation is, for what purpose do you want this outcome? Now, question 18 to 22 are a set of questions that go together really well and I find them so powerful. This is These are probably the, like, if you only ask yourself these questions, if you only picked a few from this episode, it would be these ones that I would recommend. So question 18, what will you gain or lose if you have this thing, achieve this goal, change this situation? What will you gain or lose if you get this outcome? Question 19, what will happen if you get it? Question 20, what won't happen if you get this outcome? Question 21, what will happen if you don't get it? Question 22, what won't happen if you don't get it? So question 18 is what will you gain or lose if you have it? And then question 19 to 22 are variations on that theme, but I'm going to read them again because they're not the same question over and over. Remember, we want to come at this from different angles and open our minds to perhaps some perspectives that we haven't seen. So question 19, what will happen if you do get it or if you do achieve it? Question 20, what won't happen if you do get it or you do achieve it? Question 21, what will happen if you don't get it? So question 19 was what will happen if you do get it. Question 21 is what will happen if you don't get it or achieve it or have it or be it. Question 22, what won't happen if you don't get it? Question 20 was what won't happen if you do get it. Question 22 is what won't happen if you don't get it. So these kind of hint at the different perspectives and different possibilities that we often actually don't explore because we are just so focused on either gaining the thing that we want or avoiding the thing that we don't want. And actually, we're going to gain and lose some things in both circumstances. So if you do achieve the goal or you do make the change, or if you don't make the change or you don't achieve the goal, there will be things that you do and don't get in each situation. I hope that is clear. Those are probably the four or the five really that it helps to see them written down. So highly recommend again going and getting the workbook, I'll pop a link to it in the show notes. So I highly recommend going and getting the workbook. I'll pop a link to it in the show notes and in the description of this episode. That was question number 22. Question number 23 is another exercise in visioning and imagination, and it's to take yourself forward to a time in the future, three months, six months, three years, 10 years, however far ahead you want. Probably 10 years is probably too far. It could be three weeks, right? Often, with my coaching clients, I'm actually only taking them, uh, you know, asking them to imagine and envision a time a couple of weeks in the future because that's actually very 
achievable. Like I said, the 10 years is probably too far because in 10 years there are way too many variables that just shut our mind down because we just think, well, yeah, I'm, I might make all these changes in my life, but climate change is going to have decimated the planet by then or whatever. Plus, you know, 2020 has totally showed us that even in a short amount of time, the whole world can change dramatically from some unexpected thing like a pandemic that none of us, you know, none of our New Year's resolutions kind of went to plan because the pandemic happened. So I feel like the further ahead you take yourself, the more the kind of the part of you, the subconscious part of you or that devil's advocate part of the brain that likes to, wants to keep you safe, but will come in and say, well, that's not likely or that's never going to happen or that's totally unrealistic or who are you to blah, blah, blah. That voice, which is not the truth, by the way, you don't have to believe everything you think, but the further ahead you take yourself in this next bunch of questions, the more I think that voice gets in the way. So even if you're only taking yourself forward one month, but it might be three months, you know, it might be the next school holidays. So these questions that you ask yourself in three months or in three weeks, what am I going to be seeing, feeling or hearing based on you know, the answers to some of these previous questions based on the goals that I've set or the the action steps I'm going to take. So in three months' time, what will I be seeing, feeling, hearing on my journey towards achieving this goal or outcome? And question 24, what will I be telling myself? So again, in three months' time, based on the action steps that I'm going to take from these questions that I've already answered, in three months' time, what will I be telling myself about this situation or telling myself about my health and wellbeing journey or telling myself about these changes that I'm putting into place. And question 25, in three months' time, what do I know now about myself, about this situation, about my relationship, about my health and wellbeing? What do I know now as a result of the actions I've taken to achieve this goal? And this is a really powerful question because often we know more than we think we do right now. Yes, of course, we learn things as we go. And sometimes we learn it the hard way in unexpected ways. But really, if we think forward to three months and if we really think about and we and we sit with it and we vision, well, if I'm going to achieve this goal and I, and I do X, Y, and Z and I make these changes and blah, 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 what will I know about myself then? Because you already have the answer to that question. It means you know it about yourself now, which means you can absolutely count on the fact that you're capable of doing this, of changing this, of making this shift, of improving your well-being or improving your friendships or whatever the goal is, whatever the outcome is. So I'll just read those three again. In three months' time, what are you seeing, feeling, hearing in this situation? What 24, what are you telling yourself about this situation? And 25, what do you now know about yourself and the situation or the outcome? And then speaking of action steps, A really important part of coaching is that accountability aspect and that is around checking in, making sure that you did what you said you were going to do or reflecting on, you know, whether things went to plan or not. So the last four questions are really to ask yourself as a down the track thing. So a lot of these questions that I've already listed, they can absolutely be asked every coaching session. Um, Again, don't ask all 29 every time. That would be hugely overwhelming. But these specifically, these four, and not usually ones I would ask in the first coaching session. They're usually follow-up ones about the action steps. So these are probably ones you're really familiar with already because it's the kind of thing we ask ourselves at the end of every lesson when we're reflecting on, you know, whether things went to plan or not. So question 26, what worked and why? 
Question 27, what didn't work and why? If we know why, we don't always know why, but if we do, it's good to jot it down. Question 28, what will you do again? And question 29, what will you do differently? So what will you not do again, I suppose, but yeah, what will you do differently? So again, those four are really for after you've made some changes, after you've had a go, after you've spent a week or a month putting these new habits in place or setting these boundaries and and seeing how things have panned out and also just seeing what life throws at you in between because life is going to. We all know that now. If we didn't before 2020, we definitely know that there are a lot of things in life that we can't control and what we can control is ourselves uh, and our thoughts and our behaviours and our beliefs and we can make some proactive choices about those things. So if you are feeling stuck right now or if you are feeling like you're struggling in any area of your life, I would really recommend sitting with these. I mean, obviously I recommend some coaching if that's something that you feel like is going to be a good fit for you. You can absolutely book a discovery call on my website. Happy to have a free intro chat with you. We can just talk about whether or not it might be a good fit. But coaching you know, might not be what you feel is the next best thing for you. So maybe it's having a conversation with a friend where you say, can you ask me some of these questions and really listen to my answers? Don't let me, you know, avoid giving a specific answer here. Like really make sure that I'm staying on track. I'm not going off on some tangent or telling a story about it. No, what was specifically the question asking and did I specifically answer it? Or you can just do this with yourself and journaling about it or even just contemplating it. You know, you might even just pick one question and kind of go for a walk and mull it over. Yeah, what specifically do I want? Wow. Even just one of these questions can be hugely transformational if we really sit with it and we're really mindful about it. So like I said, I highly recommend grabbing the just a list of the questions and there's also a workbook. I'll put the links below. And as always, remember that you are a person first and a teacher second and you are so worthy of your own care. See you later. Thanks for listening to the Teacher Wellbeing Podcast brought to you by Self-Care for Teachers. If you've enjoyed it, go ahead and subscribe in your chosen podcast player so you don't miss an episode. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts or Spotify, hit the three dots, share it to your Facebook or Instagram stories and let your friends know that you're listening. And if something in this episode made you think about a teacher that you care about and you think they need to hear it, send it to them now. Let's spread the message of teacher wellbeing and together we can create thriving school communities. Show notes for the podcast can be found at www.selfcareforteachers.com.au forward slash podcast. And you can find me on Facebook and Instagram using the handle at selfcareforteachers. As always, remember you're a person first and a teacher second and you are worthy of your own care.